Well, welcome back to the show. We have a very special guest with us today, a good friend of mine, but also a political consultant uh, with uh, a number of areas to focus on, Daniel Hamilton. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, very good to be with you this afternoon. Uh, yeah, so um, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on right now with the, around the world in this country, um, but because everyone's focus is on like domestic politics or gossip politics in Westminster, not many people are seem to be worried about the big issues out there. There's a number of stuff obviously going on, whether it's Iran or it's the CCP, but specifically the old, uh, the, cat, the old cat, Russia. Um, seems to be they are testing the waters again with Ukraine, because I, I know you have your expertise when it comes to that area. You know more about that than obviously me. So if you want to kind of uh, give us an overview of what's been happening, because uh, it seems like every few years they try to kind of test the waters, but uh, is it a bluff? Is it going to happen? Absolutely. Well, as you're very right to say, this is an extremely concerning situation in respect of Ukraine. But one of the things that I think the mainstream media are making a big mistake on is describing this as some kind of new process, some kind of new assault on Ukraine. When you look at Russia's general activities in the region, and this applies to so many countries that were previously part of the Soviet Union, that were occupied by the Soviet Union for more than 70 years, Russia's had troops on the ground for a very, very long time. Mm. You need to go back right the way to the early 90s to see that Russia launched essentially an invasion of the Transnistria province of Moldova and has also since the early 90s occupied 20% of Georgia in the provinces of Abkhazia and South Ossetia. Mm -hmm. Similarly, when you look at Ukraine, that's the big issue of today. Um, we're hearing various news reports, um, various comments from the Defense Secretary and from Washington, D.C., as well about the risks of war in Ukraine. But before we even discuss any of that, it's really important to remember that a large part of Ukraine is already occupied right. by Russia. Um, going back all the way to 2013, 2014, Russia began to move troops into Ukraine. They occupy the southern peninsula um, of Crimea. And they also occupy two large areas, two big cities, Donetsk and Luhansk in the in the east of the country. So quite apart from any new incursion Russia may launch, yeah. their troops are already there and they're already occupying Ukraine. It's interesting. Um, do you think from your perspective, is it just a classic nationalist thing or is it a strategical thing for the area or they want to expand more? Why why this kind of focus on Ukraine? Because well, I know that there's kind of this tendency that the, the Russian propaganda keeps trying to tell us that it's kind of like the, the Scott Nats in Scotland where they say, well, no, no, the majority of the Ukrainians want to actually be part of Russia now. Uh, we have the evidence. Uh, so is it just about Ukraine in a nationalist way or is it more than that? Well, the idea of a strong, prosperous and independent Ukraine is an absolute nightmare for somebody like Vladimir Putin. You know, he's a man whose stock in trade goes all the way back to the start of his career when he was a KGB agent hunting down political distance that dared to stand up uh, against the Soviet Union. Uh, very similar, frankly, Maya, to the types of people that cooperated with the Ayatollahs in Iran, yeah. handed over people's names and addresses for daring to speak out against what is essentially a fascist dictatorship in, in, in Iran. Um, this is the type of political background that Putin comes from. Yeah. So when we looked at the democratic decision that was made by the people of Ukraine who stood up and actually for a large number of years voted for political parties that pledged to take them mm -hmm. you know, closer in alignment to a pro-Western path. Mm -hmm. um, Putin realized that he was at great risk of losing control of Ukraine and losing control of the um, political narrative in that country. Mm -hmm. And Ukraine this year celebrated 30 years of 
independence um, since the Soviet Union collapsed. But in reality, that wasn't really 30 years that they experienced of independence. For a large amount of that time, um, until very, very recently, the security services of Ukraine were completely aligned with those of Russia. All of the large businesses, industrial conglomerates operating in Ukraine Mm -hmm. had some kind of link or other to Russian interests. Mm -hmm. Now, when the people of Ukraine stood up and said, no, we don't see our future as being aligned solely with an outdated and Mm. really, frankly, rather authoritarian political system in Russia and said, no, we actually see our future in potentially military alignment with the United States, uh, with the United Mm. Kingdom, with France, with Germany. Um, That's really when Putin felt the need to step in and try and impose his backward political creed on a democratic nation. What do you say about when it comes to Putin and Putinism? Uh, where um, in the West uh, there is this um, kind of niche tendency, uh, because of, of course, you know, let's just agree that you know, in the past uh, the American foreign policy and British foreign policy also you know, messed up a bit, in, in, especially when it comes to the Middle East. Obviously, so there's no like angels or evils in that sense. But but because of those uh, historic mistakes, there's this tendency um, comes from left and right uh, certain niches that they say, well, in order to I think that unintentionally, in order to oppose the West's mistakes and CIA, mm-hmm. MI6, they end up unintentionally supporting Russia and Putin because they say, well, where is the evidence that Putin is a bad guy? He, you know, he's not doing anything to us directly. You know, so what do you say to that? Because obviously you've been kind of reading a lot about kind of that sort of side. Uh, you know, kind of they, they don't really come out like gangsters publicly on the streets of like, you know, Berlin or London to kind of shoot at people. But uh, apart from Salisbury, but uh, so it's difficult to kind of find evidence. Mm-hmm. But are they the good guys? Can we leave them alone and they won't do anything to us? <laughs> Let's let's be let's let's look at let's look at the history um, and the type of background that Putin comes from. You know, he is a person that described the collapse of the Soviet Union as the worst day of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Sergei Lavrov, um, who is the long-serving foreign minister of Russia, describing countries like Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. You know, highly successful, wealthy, industrialized economies. The mindset from a Moscow perspective, in Lavrov's own words, Mm. was that these countries were orphaned, his term, by the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, rather than Mm. viewing them as independent success stories that have adopted market economics, um, Mm. have stood alongside, um, you know, British forces and American forces when it comes to fighting for the cause of freedom. Um, They view these countries as somehow uh, less than people that need Russian intervention in order to in order to survive, and it's a it's a fundamentally misguided view that you get from Moscow. But mm. let's look at what actually the threat from Russia mm. is. Um, I know that there are some who operate on the right of politics, just as there are some on the Corbynite left that think that Russia is not so bad, mm. that uh, the kind of decisions they make are to protect their own interests. Um, but let's be very clear on what that means on a practical level. It means the occupation mm. of democratic European states like Moldova, uh, like Georgia, which has seen half a million people in that country driven out of their homes um, mm. by forces that are loyal to Russia. Um, you know, I've sat in the ruins of villages in Georgia where bombs rained down on innocent Georgian villagers in 2008. What was their crime? Their crime was trying to keep their country together mm. and trying to maintain their independence. Mm. Um, there can be no justification for the type of actions that Russia adopts under Putin. But more fundamentally, let's actually look at what 
an emboldened Russia means. This isn't the mid-90s where we had a quasi-democrat in the form of Boris Yeltsin who wanted to do the right thing but was hamstrung by many internal pressures and absolutely did let corruption in, in Russia go out of control. What we now see is Putin's agents... Yeah. Um, often sent with the support of the likes of Ramzan Kadyrov, the uh, sort of Putinist dictator of the uh, province of Chechnya in, in, in the south of Russia, executing people yeah. um, who dare to oppose the regime on the streets of Berlin. Um, yeah. We've already seen the fact that when people claim political asylum here in the UK, where they should be safe, they're not beyond the types of attacks that we saw in Salisbury. So yeah. this is a country which isn't simply staying inside its own borders, doesn't simply have some valid grievances it wants to air, yeah. but has an expansionist foreign policy that leads to murder, occupation, and the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. No, you're right. I mean, um, I, I always have this debate with the, the nationalist right and the communist left. And because uh, what, what the nationalist right say that, oh, because the communist party in China is a bigger threat, basically they're saying without saying that ignore all the other threats because like China is the biggest threat uh, because you know why can't we multitask a <laughs> second thing is even with the socialist left there's this debate where when it comes to this when they say oh well just leave them alone Russia is not going to do anything to you is that well again they, they, when it comes to humanitarian views um, you know they, they they don't respect it there's no line today they could be going to Ukraine tomorrow they could go to Poland or something like that or, or in terms of just interference they I say from my perspective Putin and his mm. mafioso gangs what they did to my family to my relatives and friends in Iran uh, by working with the Iranian regime to basically be responsible for, for murders uh, for of course you know oppression uh, so they, they are already interfering in the world so the people who say left and right here saying that mm-hmm. well it's us who are policing the world and we should stop policing the world and then if we stop no one else will do well if we stop russia will do it if we stop china will do it right yeah Mike, you're quite right i mean this this is a process which has been going on a long time um you know i mentioned a few moments ago the the fact that in the early 90s um separatist troops loyal to russia and with the support of the russian federation occupied 20 percent of georgian territory those troops are still there more than 30 years later We then saw in 2008 um, another attack on Georgia, you know, a small country, often below the radar, that was attacked right in the middle of the 2008 um, Olympic Games when the world's attention was elsewhere. Sadly, the international community didn't adopt the type of sanctions or, or indeed give Georgia the type of military support that it would have needed to hold back those advances of Russian troops. And what that did was really embolden Russia. They then, fast forwarding a few years, thought... Do you know what we got away with Crimea let's now take so we got away with, with our attacks on Georgia yeah. let's take Crimea mm. let's take Donetsk let's take Luhansk mm-hmm. and Georgia was a country of four million people Ukraine is a country of more than 40 million people if Russia goes into Ukraine mm. we're not looking at a small localized war yeah. we're looking at a mass uh, potential for bloodshed for hundreds of thousands of lives and it's absolutely crucial that all of us that believe in freedom, that believe in democracy, that believe in standing up against authoritarian leaders, stand firmly behind Ukraine, yeah. not with some kind of conspiracy theory-led politics, which suspects that Putin might be a good guy with a valid point. The thing is that you're right, when it comes to standing up to Russia, we should do it kind of as soon as possible, because if it gets too late, and if a potential conflict happens, it will be so big in the sense that, you know, let, let's not use certain words, but, you know, it's just it will be big enough because you're going to have his 
when it comes to foreign policies and like, invasions, they have the three, the triangle of evil. You got Iran and China, who will basically end up back in Russia uh, in the United Nations and the Security Council, kind of basically petitioning the West saying that, no, 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 leave us alone. But then that means whilst Russian um, defense is not as strong as NATO, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but if they have the backing of China, for example, it's, it's not a good look when it comes to Eastern Europe, is it? You make you make yet another very fair point on this. Um, you know, clearly we're not. We're, it's it's not a zero sum game. It's yep. not a situation where because China may be worse in some respects mm. that we need to excuse the misdeeds of Russia. We need yep. to think about all of these human rights abuses, all of these authoritarian uh, threats mm. that we face to democracy and our our way of life, and indeed our allies' way of life um, collectively. If Russia was to get away with the invasion of Ukraine wasn't to be meaningfully sanctioned if we don't provide meaningful uh, military support. And I'm very glad to see that the United Kingdom in particular has been the global leader so far in sending troops to provide training to the Ukrainian military and also defensive equipment to protect yeah. against uh, tank attacks. Well, but- Unless we roll in behind, behind Ukraine, yeah. we risk a serious situation where China, which is already um, slaughtering Uyghurs by the thousand, and also has some very um, strong territorial ambitions in its own backyard, could be emboldened. We've mm-hmm. already seen the Ayatollahs in Iran in the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, move beyond the path which started, where there was actually some engagement, <clears throat> some tentative yeah. reform, some rapprochement with the West. That's all been ditched. All of it's been chucked in the bin. And all us ignoring the threats from Russia will achieve is to hand power to people like that yep. to oppress, to occupy and to invade. Yes, and the, the, the final point, that was spot on, the final point is uh, um, the UK is right now leading uh, this, this movement uh, when it comes to the continent. And uh, But they, they told us that uh, with Brexit, we're going to be so isolated, we can't really have any influence. Uh, and uh, it seems like we're still pushing the EU to um, cooperate anyway. So what's happening there? I mean, I mean is, is the European Union going to be obviously, hopefully, hopefully, when it comes to this, strong enough? Or are they just going to be doing gimmicky stuff as usual? Well, the European Union is deeply divided on this issue. There are some genuinely fantastic countries that speak up time and time again for the cause of freedom inside the inside Europe and against Russia. Poland is a great example of that. And the Baltic countries are great examples of that. The reason they know what occupation means and they know what losing your freedom means. And sadly, Germany has been extremely unhelpful in recent times. We have unsubstantiated rumours that only yesterday evening planes that took off from the UK with defensive equipment um, to be sent to Ukraine were not allowed to use German airspace to get that equipment there. That is an abdication of responsibility on on the part of Germany. Um, But fundamentally, looking at the UK, we've got a lot to be proud of at the moment in terms of our foreign policy. There were lots of naysayers that said, when we left the European Union, we'd no longer have any influence. We'd no longer have any ability to have a diplomatic role in Europe or indeed the world. We are leading the agenda when it comes to protecting Ukraine. We are leading the agenda when it comes to guaranteeing peace on the ground in Bosnia and Herzegovina and holding back a potential for conflict there. We lead the agenda in terms of protecting the people of Kosovo, who we with the Americans um, liberated from tyranny at the end of the end of the last century. And we're putting in place the right kind of legislation here in the UK to mean that those people that steal money abuse human rights, uh, plunder their national treasuries, will not find the UK a safe haven anymore. 
And we are an engaged country and we can be damn proud of what we're doing at the moment in the field of foreign policy. It is absolutely spot on. Thanks for obviously um, your words in terms of, uh, uh, well, motivating hopefully if, if anyone from fc is watching this <laughs> or mod <laughs> hopefully this will help uh, but no i mean as i said from my side it's uh, it's important to kind of always mention to anyone watching that you know with the people who think that putin and russia they're not they just want to be this isolationist protectionist country they are already expanding but on a different level politically political in, uh, kind of influence in iran and they, they're already controlling the north of iran in, in politically speaking and uh, they are behind all the the training for the Iranian regime, how to tackle um, their protesters and the, this exact same tactics that you see in Moscow is, is now being uh, implemented in Tehran. Every single time there's a movement against the Iranian regime, you know, this is basically the puppet masters. Right now, when it comes to that, it's Putin. And then financially, it's China. So that's the, the, the first, the oldest civilization that you know, turned into the first empire currently being run by two different countries so brilliant uh thanks for watching and uh, Thank thanks uh, daniel to uh, come, for coming on the show and hopefully we'll come back inshallah inshallah iran will be free <laughs> long live <Cheers>, <laughs>